Right, let's go adventuring. Hello, we're Bluecast. My name's James. I'm Ewan. And I'm Rob. But the question is, why are we called Bluecast? Yes. No. That was pretty impressive, actually. I thought it was a good yes. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Today, we are talking about Tomb Raider featuring Lara Croft. Say featuring Lara Croft because that was the official title of the first game, right? Because that was how they introduced the characters of the world. Was this neat little marketing mm. trick where it, you know it's like, yeah, featuring Lara Croft as if she's like an actress. Yeah, it's just interesting because of all the PS One games I played, this is kind of like the most marketed one I probably witnessed when I was a kid. Mm. It was everywhere because character herself was bigger than the game she appeared in. Yeah, and she yeah. became kind of a mascot for the PlayStation, which is interesting because the game didn't come out on the PlayStation at first. It was originally first came out on the Sega Saturn. I think I talked about this briefly in the Spyro episode, but yeah, she came out on the Sega Saturn first, then came out on the PlayStation and MS DOS, which is like the PCs they had at the time. Shortly afterwards. Mm. To be fair, the PlayStation was the initial impetus, because I remember one of the guys, I think it was Jeremy Heath-Smith, one of the guys in charge of core design, who were the developers of Lara, he was saying that, yeah, it was when they saw the PlayStation and what it was capable of, that was what they initially started developing for. And then the Sega Saturn was like a later thing that they developed for after the fact, but then released beforehand, which is a very odd way of doing things. Mm. Plus the Sega Saturn was a flop. Mm. Exactly. So nobody remembers the Sega Saturn anyway. Everyone remembers the PlayStation version. Yeah, the only good thing about the Sega Saturn, well, there's probably some good things, but the best thing about the Sega Saturn is the ad campaign in Japan where they had this mascot called Sega Tarsantra who was this martial artist who used to just go up in random places and beat people up until they played (laughs) Sega Saturn. Uh, what? That is wild. That's a that's a great marketing technique. Just beat people up mm. until they play your games. I mean, they certainly Sega's managed to do that with Sonic 06. So you know, it's amazing though. Just a bit random. Sega has so many characters, and yet they can't pull off their own games console. That's really disappointing. They haven't done a games console since the Dreamcast. You I know, know, but that would have been the perfect time to do it because they had Sonic, but it just didn't and take off. They shot themselves in the foot recently because they went all in on arcade games, and obviously 2020, nobody was playing arcade, so they've actually had a horrible profit drop last Spe- year. Oh, speaking of arcade, a couple of weeks ago we as the Bloobcast had our very first in-person meeting all three of us together we went to the Namco Funscape in Westminster Bridge not London Bridge Sorry. James <laughs> I, I, I got my bridges mixed up it was when James said oh yeah it's like a 40 minute walk and I said what? Sorry. <laughs> most importantly I won 900 tickets on a monkey barrel game and I'll use the tickets to buy a cuddly toy monkey who is now called the blue monkey. He even has an orange jumper. 
which matches our logo. We were trying to get the Pac-Man light, which we thought was 1,000 tickets. So we actually managed to get 2,000 tickets, right? Yeah. And then it turned out that the Pac-Man light was actually 4,000 tickets. It's because so... the guy there, it was, first of all, it was very loud, so it was a bit difficult to hear him. And he just kind of went, Ugh. and I thought, we all immediately thought he, he said 1,000. He was wearing a mask. We were wearing masks. That's we true. And, and again, it was, and it was very loud as well, like just from arcade yeah. machines everywhere. So we got a monkey though, so I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, but to make this a bit more relevant, we did play the Tomb Raider arcade game while we were there. The main reason suggested is because there was a Halo machine called Halo Fire Team Raven, and I've completed Halo Wars, Halo Reach, Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, Halo 4, and I'm on a mission to complete every Halo game before Halo Infinite comes out. So now I've completed Fire Team Raven as well. So I've only got like four other games to complete, I want to say. I think James might be a Halo fan. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, back to Tomb Raider. Yes. Yeah, we're discussing the first one because again, like Resident Evil, to discuss the whole series would just take way too long to play through all of them and everything else. Exactly. So we just, we focused on the first one, but we did also, I think Rob and I played the anniversary version, which was made 10 years after the original and was a semi-remake of the original, but on the PlayStation 2. So that was the thing we did. So that's cool. Should we go on to how we discovered Tomb Raider? Yeah. yeah, of course. I'll go first. So I think my first exposure to Tomb Raider slash Lara Croft was the LucasAid adverts. I think we briefly spoke about them again in the Spyro episode, which was mm. episode three, I think. The one I particularly remember that sticks out is one where she's fighting this guy in like a jungle. And then there's some guy at home playing a PlayStation, he pulls to the game and goes out and thinks to get LucasAid. And Lara and this guy she's fighting just whip out LucasAid and then start like drinking them together. Then suddenly they hear the guys coming back, play the game, and they're like, move back into the positions they were in, ready for the game to start again. <laughs> also remember getting a Lara Croft window sticker with a magazine when I was about six or so and I do remember the first movie coming out and mainly because I remember going into again my local Woolworths and seeing some of the action figures I think it was mainly Lara Croft but they also had action figures of like the stone monkey things from the movie yeah. but the first mm. time I saw someone actually playing the game was around the time the movie was coming out so me and my family went to my dad's uncle's house for a barbecue and his son who thinks my second or third cousin he was six or so years older than me and he had a PS1 so I was being about seven years old at the time and we mainly played at WWF Smackdown, as it was called at the time. This is before the whole lawsuit thing and it became WWE. WWF Smackdown. Lay it down, Jabroni. Finally, The Rock has come back to PlayStation. Oh, yeah. I also watched him play a bit of the first level of Tomb Raider. And then that Christmas, me and my siblings, we all got a PS1. But then a couple of days later, my dad went out and bought a copy of the first Tomb Raider. I remember him saying, for some, I don't know, probably because it was like a 15 plus, he said, I wasn't allowed to play it, but I played it anyway. Although I wasn't very good at it because I could never get past the first level. So <laughs> I mainly stuck to doing the tutorial level at Lara's home. And I revisited it a few times. So particularly when I was 16, when I finally got the first boss level and I was just like, what do I do? What do I do? Because I only had like pistols and I couldn't take defeat the boss. Only being for like doing this podcast that I was actually played it through to the end. Finally, so it's taken mm. me nearly 20 years, but I finally got there. Oh, that makes me feel <laughs> so much better. But carry on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that was it. That was oh, the brilliant, ending. Brilliant. 
Ewan, how did you discover Tomb Raider? I discovered Tomb Raider, I think it was definitely one of those series that, as Rob said, it was everywhere. I don't remember any commercials or adverts or anything, so the marketing apparently just didn't work on me at all. But I do remember I had a demo disc that had Spyro on it. But it also, for the PlayStation 1, it also had Lara Croft 2. I don't want to say it was Lara Croft 1, because I don't remember running into any tigers when I was playing through Lara Croft now. The tigers were in Tomb Raider um, 2. Yeah, so this was definitely Tomb Raider 2, because I remember there being tigers, and I remember me being really bad at the demo, because I was kind of scared of it. Like, you would go in... Yeah. And was it... Were you on the Great Wall of China by any chance? I don't remember. I remember being in a cave. I was in a cave, and then I would jump into, like, a pool and I would swim around and that's as far as I ever got. That was the first level of Tomb Raider 2 so mm, yeah. yeah yeah that level is as we'll probably discuss later the end of Tomb Raider the first game can get very very hard oh, and yeah. then the first level of Tomb Raider is at that level of difficulty. That's hilarious I love that so they literally just build on the difficulty of the first game okay yeah no the, the tigers scared me but I, I managed I remember beating them like I remember or at least like getting past them so I figured out the controls enough that I could do that but aside from that like Tomb Raider kind of you know I never I was always aware of it I always knew it existed and you know I was always aware of the new games coming out on the PlayStation 2 and all of that sort of thing beyond the movie which I never saw but again I was aware of it and I knew that Angelina Jolie was like a big star in it and all of that sort of thing is Lara Croft, Lara Croft. But it was only recently that I finally watched both the film and the sequel because they've been on BBC iPlayer for like the last year for some reason. I have no idea why, but why not? That's fine. Uh, and I really, I really enjoyed the first one. I thought it was a genuinely brilliant action film and great adventure movie. And Angelina Jolie is great in it. Although Daniel Craig has one of the worst American accents ever. Come on, guys, get up here. Give me a hand here. I think you will find it is the best American accent ever. He has another one that knives out anyway, so... Exactly! Too slow, ladies! Too slow! But, yeah, and then I got the first free Tomb Raider games for the PlayStation 1 on the PlayStation 3, confusingly. <laughs> which means that I had to deal with all the wonderful troubles that PlayStation 1 players have to deal with. Whereas on the PC, as Rob was telling me, you can save wherever you want. You can't do that on the PlayStation. You have to find these specific little diamond <sighs> checkpoint things. And if you don't find them, good luck. Because <laughs> I hope you like the beginning of the level. The final level of Tomb Raider 1, we'll go into this more, but there's such a long gap between the beginning and the first save point you can find it's ridiculous but we'll go into that anyway james tell us how you discovered tomb raider featuring lara croft <laughs> so i think it's quite similar to yours ewan it's just because i was a really young lad when this is all kind of taking off when it was at its most famous tomb raider it was everywhere as you said i want to say the first time i saw lara croft on something you know those LucasAid suites? Have you ever seen those sort of like LucasAid sugar tablets they have in the shops, like in off licenses and stuff like that? There was a picture of Lara Croft on one of those, and she was obviously on LucasAid bottles as well. 
But also, there was a lot of those sort of PS1 cheat manuals, and she was often on the front of those. So there was a lot of that going on. But the first time I played Tomb Raider was, I want to say it was probably Tomb Raider, is it Revelations, I think it is? Chronicles, you think? Oh, Chronicles, sorry, no, I beg your pardon. It was Tomb Raider Chronicles, which was the anthology one. So I played that at my grandma's house. My grandma factored into it once again, and we had the PlayStation there. But we just literally watched the first cutscene and never got past the first level ever. We just got kept, we kept getting killed by the dogs. We had no idea what to do. We were like literally really young at the time. But now that we're doing the podcast, this is the first time I've kind of sit down as a you know as an adult and attempted to play through Tomb Raider. I'll say that because I struggled quite badly with the first Tomb Raider in particular. I got through the first seven levels without cheating. <laughs> But then after that, it was just <laughs> what it is. I have such a love-hate relationship with platformers. I still haven't finished the first Crash Bandicoot, for instance. If a game which has you sort of playing the same level over and over again for over an hour, it just it frustrates me so much. I've almost chucked my controller at the TV while playing Crash before. Whoa! For Tomb Raider, like... I got... don't blame you. Crash one is brutal. It really is. But with Tomb Raider, I also think, even with a walkthrough, I just kept jumping and falling, sometimes mm. to my death. I couldn't position yeah. myself correctly to the point where I could grab onto something appropriately. So I was dying repeatedly and it got to the point where I was just like, you know what? I will return to it one day. I need more than a solid month to get through it, but I did it with cheats and that was interesting. Did you, did you just go on to the next level and just continue or? I did try level eight, level nine and 10. I did kind of cheat with the ammunition and stuff like that. But even then, oh, that sure. didn't. I just couldn't get the platforming right. <laughs> so <laughs> that was like the biggest thing. I didn't care about the dinosaurs or the, the crocodiles or the, the weird things that look like they have no skin that run at you. Oh, what the mummies? Yeah, those are frightening. Yeah. But like literally, I just couldn't. I wish there was a cheat where you could just no clip through the level. That's what I wanted. But um, <laughs> that's why I skip code, but that's about it. That, that's what I started doing. But I wanted to do the T position thing that characters do when you no clip and just fly through the level. That's what I wanted to do. Oh, game. <laughs> you gotta, you got to stick with it because it is really satisfying I, once you've played through it. You and I promise you I will return to it someday, but, just, yeah, but um, I just can't do it. If it's any consolation, I have also never finished the original Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> I, just, I can't. It's just too too exhausting mentally. I finished it once on the Reignited trilogy. I've yeah. never done it on the original because the same thing with the PS1, this bizarre saving system which makes no sense. The like, crystals did To me save in. your game on Crash 1, you've got to beat the level and hit every box without dying just to save your game. Like, why? What's the point? <sighs> I've only completed in my lifetime probably three PlayStation 1 platformers. And that's it. Mm. Two Spyro games and a Crash Bandicoot game. I did the Reignited trilogy, but that doesn't really count, I don't think. So yeah, platforming. I think a good place to start would mm. be the tutorial level, which is Lara's home, as it's called <laughs> on the main menu. Mansion. Yeah, the mansion, which it's called. Which looks exactly like the mansion in Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh no, here we it's go again. It's not that similar. It just has a staircase in the main hall. Wow, what a mansion. It came out the same year as Resident Evil as well, which is interesting. Yeah, big year for the PlayStation 1. Crash Bandicoot, Resident Evil, Tomb Raider, and the greatest game of all time, Bubsy 3D. <laughs> of course, of course. Wow. Now, what would a platform game be without platforms? Yeah, what a good time for Yeah, gaming. tutorial level. It allows you to get to grips with the controls because yeah. the controls in yeah, the it. game are kind of finicky. 
you can't use the analog stick because the big thing a lot of players will struggle yeah, with. Yeah, I don't think the analog stick existed the at the analog. time. No. Well, it, it was on the controls, but it, it just wasn't used in that way. It can be a bit finicky because you're mm. using the original, the D-pad, mm. which is the little arrows on your controller. It's fine. Like, it's manageable, but it is finicky. Yeah, but it, it takes some getting used to. Lara talks you through how to do everything, like how to do all the different types of jumps and how to walk, which is very important so you don't run off an edge accidentally and stuff like that. Yeah. Welcome to my home. I'll take you on a guided tour. This used to be the ballroom, but I've converted it into my own personal gym. I don't actually run everywhere. When I want to be careful, I walk. It also allows you to get to know Lara because she, of course she's telling you really cool details. Like she goes into a hall and there's all these crates there for you to climb across and she explains it by saying, oh yeah, sorry about the crates. This stuff's been put into storage delivery people haven't been yet. So it's kind of like adding a detail to her character to explain a mechanic that's there for you to navigate around. I like how she just wakes up one day and sees all these delivery boxes and thought, I'm going to go climb and jump over the, all of these. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Run up to a crate and while still pressing forward, Press action and I'll vault up onto it. Although what's funny is they're gone in Tomb Raiders 2 and 3. Mm. But it would be funny if they were there because in 2 and 3 you've got the butler following you around everyone. It's just funny <laughs> imagine the butler having to climb over all the boxes. <laughs> I, I was reading an interview of one of the level designers, Heather Gibson, because she designed the mansion, you know, and they added the butler in. And she was saying how a lot of players, they'll lock the butler inside the freezer. I've done that. <laughs> You could just yeah. flip over him and then lock him in. I've seen it before. Yeah, she was saying if she'd known that players would do that, she would have added this whole thing where you need to freeze the butler so you can like push him and then climb on top of him to jump onto something. But hey ho, legend still has it that he's still locked in there to this day. <laughs> Please feed me. <laughs> the mansion is a nice little opener because it's a great way to kind of just get used to the controls and figure out how to jump and or do the different kinds of jumps because Lara has two kind of forward jump she has a standing jump where you kind of just jump as is but then also a running jump it can be a little tricky figuring out how to do it correctly without just falling off a ledge and dying but you can figure it out and it, it does become kind of second nature after a while and then there's other things like she can do like yeah. a sideways jump which is really good for when you're you're fighting animals and things because oh, yeah. she can like shoot at the same time so that's really cool because you're like doing these somersaults and shooting you know so it's it's, it's it very torches. very max pain before max pain <laughs> was a thing yeah the gameplay feels similar to what's called cinematic platforms which are normally in 2d there's games like the early prince of persia games and Oddworld. Yeah. But it's kind of in yeah. more of a 3D perspective. Uh, while the controls, like I've said, like, they're a bit fiddly, the, like, the levels are built around the controls, so it yeah. does feel satisfying for all the various different jumps, and really it feels cool. kind of like an interactive adventure series, like an interactive Indiana Jones mm. movie. Well, that was the original vision, was that they drew some concept art of like an Indiana Jones-looking character, and they said immediately, no, we cannot do that, we will get sued. Then they started coming up with this idea of a woman Tomb Raider. Mm. Uh, she was originally called Laura Cruz I found out oh yeah it's Brazilian or something or like Latino yeah like a fun alternative future we're all living in a world where she's called Laura Cruz yeah so they, <laughs> yeah, they, they changed, changed the name to Lara Croft yeah because yeah, apparently at one point they were planning to have two characters like a female character and a male character but then obviously because it means programming to like two different types of characters they scrapped on them yeah. if they thought the girl character was more interesting, so... Well, you know, it was things like they were talking about with her animation. They actually animated this whole thing with her, because she has a big ponytail, yeah. famously. And they were saying they actually animated this thing where she flicks her ponytail when she's just kind of standing around. 
but they were saying that that added so many polygons it took up so much space on the disc that they had to remove it because otherwise they would have had to remove stuff from the levels themselves Lord Lannan actually oh. said that the reason why they didn't include women in his games and stuff like that is just because they can't animate the hair I think if I'm not mistaken mm. I mean that's a big excuse there's the, too um, many male characters but, with long hair it's such yeah. a joke speaking of polygons shall we talk about the polygons on the front of Lara's chest because <laughs> there's um. apparently a story about that when designing the character apparently the mouse slipped and made Lara's breath bigger than intended so Toby Gard he's you know cited as the creator of Lara Croft and his excuse was that he slipped up and just magically her boobs were bigger this is a complete lie or or I think it's a complete (laughs) lie don't quote me on that but it is you can look at the concept art for how Lara is supposed to look and it's like even more sexualized than her final image. She's almost in a bathing suit, but with shorts over them. Like, it, it's... come on. Right. Now I'd better take off these wet clothes. I don't buy it for a... Yeah, and some of the concept art looks very kind of Eon Flux, which I think might have been an influence on Lara. Yeah, yeah, the... yeah kind of like this this kind of sexy, badass character who's able to jump yeah, around. Going like... back to Tony Gard, after this game, he quit core design because he didn't like how the marketing was focusing more on Lara's like sex appeal and then he comes mm. back for was it two made a legend which was done by crystal dynamics and that's the yeah. one where Lara has an unlockable b- bikini no i'd better to take a off these wet clothes uh, yeah, Toby Guard. Right. Okay, I've got my own alternate thing of events because Toby Guard said that he quit because he didn't like how Lara was being sexualized. So Core Design, the company that made Tomb Raider, they had a royalties-based salary system. So the better the game sold, the more money you got, which is a pretty exploitative system when your games aren't doing well. But because Lara did very well, the development team made a lot of money. I remember reading Jeremy Heath-Smith, who was one of the co-founders of the company, was saying to Toby Gard, please, for the love of God, do not leave the company right before you're about to get these huge paychecks. (laughs) And Gard left and missed out on basically every other development team has like bought a house on the profits. But Toby Gard, he said that he didn't like how Lara was being sexualized, which fair enough, looking at a lot of adverts for Lara, and a lot of them are really sleazy and really gross. But considering how sexualized she is as a character anyway, I don't think that was the reason Toby Gard left. I think he left because he didn't like that Idos, who were the publishers, basically ignored his suggestions for how he wanted to market Lara. And here's the thing, Toby was 24 when all of this was going down. He was very young. And they told him, oh no, let the grown-ups decide how Lara should be marketed. And to be fair, as you guys have said, she was everywhere. So they were doing a really good job on the marketing. And so I think he was annoyed that they didn't like his marketing ideas that he put forward. And then threw a hissy fit and quit when he really shouldn't have because he missed out on a Mm. lot of money. And that's my thinking, is that he was just an arrogant 24-year-old who needed to get slapped around a bit more and told, look, this is the real world. This is how video gaming works at this point. I think the next game he made was like some pirate game 
that didn't come out for years afterwards. It was in development for years. I don't know if it was any good or not. Yeah, he decided to go it alone because he was being courted by various American companies like Interplay, but I guess he wanted to have directorial control, which is, that's admirable in its own right, but, you know, it is difficult going it alone. As any indie developer could tell you today with video gaming, it's, it's not easy. Just in regards to, like, Lara Croft design and stuff like that, I mean, the concept art, as you said, is a bit weird and sleazy, as you said. But no, no, no the con- no, the concept art is fine. It's marketing was was what was sleazy. Well, that's... That, that's the one that put her in like bikinis and things like that. Yeah, but the actual game itself, she's actually written to be quite a, a cool character, and I don't think the actual design is too unrealistic because I've met archaeologists. The stuff that Lara wears, you know, boots and like travel package and everything like that. That's often used a lot by archaeologists because it's very hot. So they did actually get that quite right, I thought. I thought that was quite an accurate yeah. depiction of an archaeologist. My counterpoint to that is, yes, that is what an archaeologist would wear, but mm. would you really wear a tank top and really, really short shorts if you're going to a snowy mountain? Good point. <laughs> the very beginning of the game is very strange because she is wearing this outfit and they're on the top of a mountain. So that opening cutscene starts with Lara... She's with this like, Peruvian tour guide who guides her through the mountains and suddenly he gets attacked by wolves and gets killed. Yeah. For some reason, I think it's because in the instruction manual it's mentioned that Lara is a daughter of someone. For some reason, when I watched that cutscene as a kid, when yeah. I was about like, eight years old, I thought that was Lara's dad. Yeah. yeah. But, but she didn't seem that beaten up about it if, if, if that was the case. She just kind of goes, oh, that sucks. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just another thing, though. Like with the, I know you probably mentioned with the short dress and stuff like that she does have to jump and grab grab onto things if she wore like an overcoat or something it'd probably not be quite helpful and like platformer and stuff the thing is i i like her design i think she's she has yeah, a really think, unique yeah. like cool experience like, yeah i think uh, it's a cool design but i just think it's a bit silly that she's in like a snowy mountain wearing yeah. really yeah. yeah yeah it makes more sense once she's in the dinosaur section where it looks a bit more hot and tropical and yeah once she's in egypt that's fine yeah no definitely snowy mountains it's a bit of a like what why is she wearing that yeah, I remember they said there were the two concept arts. They wanted her to both be this tomb raider who's like, you know, kind of quietly exploring these like ancient tombs and caves and things. But then they also wanted her to be like an action heroine. So she has the signature two pistols and she's able to like jump around. And, and that's probably, yeah, very Eon Flux where she's able to like leap into the air and, and shoot at the same time. It's very cool putting these two characters together and making this like one really badass female heroine, I guess. She works really well as a character i think and i remember again they were saying they wanted her to be kind of like an ice queen she's just very cool and collected and i remember the original voice actress shelly blonde she was saying that she actually found voicing lara really boring because she was saying that like because because she speaks so monotone like her whole thing is just well you have my total attention now i'm not quite sure if i've got yours though but that's her thing. She's not overly emotional. She's not overly expressive or silly. She's yeah. very cool in that regard. Like a female yeah, Batman yeah. or like a female James yeah. Bond. Definitely, yeah. And they told her to do a, a female James Bond kind of impression. Yeah. So that was definitely what they were going for. The one thing that makes you laugh with the voice acting is there's certain points in the game where you've got to like insert items. And if you don't have an item or if you don't have the right item, I will just simply say no. Just the way she said it is just so hilarious. No. Yeah, in the most abrasive way, like, no. <laughs> it's probably like the only t- other time other than the tutorial that, she, you know, Lara actually talks directly to the player as well. There's no other situation where she does that. She just goes, no. 
Yeah. You can't put that yeah. in, sorry. <laughs> no. Yeah, the anniversary version was good because they added a little thing where if you're struggling with puzzles or anything like that, she'll suggest a hint if you're struggling and say like, oh, you know, maybe look at this thing or something just to get you on the right direction, which I think is always a nice helpful thing whenever yeah. you're solving puzzles. Do you know right. what frustrates me the most though? That you have to accurately position yourself in front of these buttons and sometimes I'd literally be walking yes. back and forth, running back and forth, just to get into this little area, this little sort of segment, just mm -hmm. to push a button. It's like, ah, oh. <laughs> I'm so... The best thing to do with buttons is to run right up against the wall to the point that she'll literally do a little oof sound, <laughs> you know, when she like runs into a wall. Oh, yeah. And then like, and then do the sideways walk so that you can position it perfectly. But well, yeah, no, I, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it, okay. yeah. There's a lot of PlayStation One controls where everything is just so specific. Mm. I agree with you, James, when you said that Lara's body type is like attainable or like it's not that out there as a yeah. concept. And one of the things I wanted to bring up as a kind of like exhibit A of this was the fact that Lara had a bunch of models that they used for the marketing. Various women or actresses or models would play the parts of Lara, and they would turn up to events. And so the <laughs> first one was uh, Natalie Cook. She started out as the original Lara model and yeah they would turn up to gaming exhibitions and E3 events and things like that. And one of them though was Katie Price Jordan which I thought was a fun detail in both the lives of Lara Croft and Katie Price of all people. A lot uh, of people like to cosplay as Lara Croft as well actually. Exactly yeah so it's, it's not that crazy of a body type or anything I don't think like I think no. people are able to dress up as Lara like, her main thing is that she's just very athletic yeah. she's able to jump around and she's able to like lift herself up with like climbing if you just do loads of climbing you can probably get fairly similar to how Lara looks to say they've more or less carried on the same design in the newer games as well like uh, you know the new rebooted Tomb Raider stuff uh, including the arcade game we actually played she does mm. have a very similar like outfit to the original games I think they Katniss Severdeened it a little bit, you know, make her look like Hunger Games. I think she even has a bow and arrow at one point. Still has the yeah, same think, sort of outfit. Yeah, I think, think of those games. They're fine games for what they are, but not what I think of when I think of Tomb Raider. I think of like these PS1 games. Yeah. They de-emphasised the platforming, jumping stuff, and then so there's a lot less of that. And I feel like it's done the Uncharted or the Assassin's Creed mm. style of climbing. It's not as complicated and not as interesting as how the original games did it, which is a shame because I feel like Lara should be all about climbing and exploring. And I also sort of thing, think tonally it's just so different. The original games are like kind of upbeat pulp fiction adventure stories, if you know what I mean, mm. published yeah. in pulp magazines, the sensational tale sort of thing. And she's always quite courageous and stuff like that, able to face anything. And there's not a moment in the game where she's really vulnerable. She can just take on anything in those original PS1 games. Whereas in the newer games, it's just like a survival horror and she's frightened by the monsters around her. She's not as brave as she once was. And it's very serious. It's very gritty and serious. And I'm not sure if I like that because I quite yeah. like the upbeat feel. I even love the theme tune, like how kind of hopeful it sounds in the original games.
Now, do you want to talk about the game's atmosphere? Because I think much like with the first Resident Evil or a lot of Resident Evil games, this game is just great at creating atmosphere. Although the way it does it is different to how Resident Evil does it. So they place you in these really big open areas and it feels like you're actually in these like really big empty tombs filled with like deadly traps and creatures that are out to kill you. And the music adds to that because the music is absent for most of the game and it helps sell the atmosphere because it really makes you feel like you're in these big empty tombs. Then when the music does kick in, it really conveys the mood of this situation. So like when you get attacked by wolves, it plays this really dramatic music, which is some like one of my favourite pieces of music mm. in gaming. Mm. Mm. There's an unsafe feeling playing the game actually. It's actually quite yeah. surprisingly for like a Indiana Jones themed kind of game, it is really creepy and spooky in some of the tombs yeah. and caves. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, it's, it's, it's very ambient, it's very quiet. Yeah. Just wandering around and yeah, anything it can, can happen. Well, especially when you get to the last area of the game, which I think is really well designed. I don't think James quite I got there. Got to the very last bit where you're in Atlantis and it's a really really body horror H.R. Geiger-esque version of Atlantis it's so different from any other picture of Atlantis I've seen it's like walking through but it's a so corpse. distinctive yeah. and it's so yeah it's so cool though do you know what it reminds me of I don't know if you guys played the dream level in Rayman 2 but it kind of reminded me of that you know the nightmare realm. oh yeah 10 times more terrifying yeah, though. I agree. yeah. it's like an yeah. inside of a body or something yeah. so spoilers don't really matter for this game because it's it's a very kind of bare bones plot but I think one of the really cool things about Tomb Raider is that it constantly surprises you because it starts off, you're in this cave in Peru and you're like finding these tombs and then you go into this opening and there are dinosaurs in it. You suddenly get attacked by raptors <laughs> and then a T-Rex appears, which is nuts. And then my favorite level, I think, is the St. Francis's Folly level, which is like you start out in this monastery in Italy, I think, and then you slowly descend and you start to see like all this roman ruins and there's like an entire coliseum underground it's amazing and then you go to egypt and of course there's like weird stuff in egypt but then egypt leads on to this kind of like yeah like all this weird atlantis related stuff and then finally you go to atlantis and it's where it's like in this cave yeah atlantis is really surprising the way they do it it's not what anyone would expect as as you guys said it's body horror and it's like what <laughs> why would you think body horror for atlantis yeah. before you get to atlantis you have to get your weapons back from the main bad guys goons and one of them is a guy on a skateboard oh my god that's amazing the, the whole boss fight is so fun. It's this big skateboard park that's somehow built into this cave. And this guy's just skateboarding around and firing an Uzi at you. Genuinely great sense of humour. I want to talk about the T-Rex. Well, specifically the level with the T-Rex because it's the third level of the game and it's really well built up. It starts off very much the same way as the first two levels where you're just in Peru exploring some caves and you, you then eventually come across this large open grassy area. But on the way in there, you find the bones of some poor sap who came to a sticky end somehow. And you're like, ooh, what cause this? And then as soon as you go into the grassy area, some raptor jumps out at you and it's, what dinosaur? They should be extinct though. So, and you think, oh, that was weird. Mm. And then as you're running, you go out from behind some like ruins, this big giant T-Rex just stomps out. The dramatic music comes in like, thought of a, an interesting game concept of like a survival horror where you it's actually in the Tomb Raider universe but it's from the point of view of the dinosaur and you're running away from this monster with two pistols <laughs> trying to hunt your poor 
near extinct species, endangered species. <laughs> it's a bit like a cross between Tomb Raider and the Land Before Time. <laughs> we were talking about that. Like, Lara in real life would just be a terrible, terrible person because the amount of like <laughs> oh. in, the amount of endangered or extinct species that she just wipes out the moment she encounters them. She shoots gorillas. She shoots lions. In the second one, she shoots tigers. It's terrible person. Po- pointless as well. Like literally, if she took one of those dinosaurs back alive to scientists and researchers not only could she help save that species but also she would be a millionaire for rediscovering dinosaurs she's already a millionaire for oh, her so it's that's, for, that's it's fine. for the sport for her oh know. so it's fine yeah, she even says that in the opening scene because the main bad guy kind of entices her into doing this for pay and she's like i'm sorry i only play for sport Oh, yeah. God. What I find funny is that she's up against Pierre Dupont, a French Tomb Raider. And of course, this being a British game, it's funny that one of the, the villains throughout a lot of the levels is French, of course. A little late for the prize giving, no? Still, it is the taking part which counts. But he sometimes attacks you when you're running around the Italian monastery and the Roman ruins. What I find strange is that in both this and the movie where Pierre is kind of similar to Daniel Craig's character in the movie, but in both cases, Lara's looking down on them with disdain because she's like, oh, you only do this for money. And it's like, yeah, because it's their job, Lara. You're rich. You do this because it's like fun. They're doing it for money because presumably they need it. Another level I really like is the first level set. I think it's Greece. And it's a large bulk of the level is you're in this large tower structure with four rooms. And each room is themed after one of the Greek gods, although one of them is themed after Thor. And each one contains like a key to get you that. And once you have all four keys, you can get it opens the door to the next level. It can be a pain to reverse this structure because of how the save system is. Because like a crystal in each level. If you save too early, you, you can absolutely screw yourself up. But I love the design of it. It's really cool. And yeah. even if it's a bit odd that you've got three Greek gods and then Thor, who's a Norse god, not a Greek <laughs> god. But... <laughs> Yeah. What I loved was reading like interviews with the level designers is that they just didn't seem to click that that was like clearly not a Greek god at all. 100% they were like, oh yeah, all the Greek gods. And it was great because we put like Thor's hammer in there and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those crystals, they remind me so much of the new save system in Oddworld Soulstorm where you have to jump to it at the right time. I've literally run past the crystal and saved it for later when I've killed a few more monsters and then run back to it to save my game. That's how frustrating the save system is. It sounds better having you know, this crystal which you can carry around with you and it sounds a bit more like Resident Evil save system which I actually preferred I think where you can choose when to save if you know what I mean. The weird thing is on the PC version you could save wherever you like but on the console version you can only save at save crystals and they can be placed far apart and can only use them once and it's very easy to save in the wrong place exactly. and because there's only one save file on the memory card you can't like make multiple saves so yeah. it's very easy for you to mess yourself up and that's especially the case when we get to the last couple of levels i tried to like, persevere with this and then i got like the last couple of levels and i was like this is ridiculous now so for the last level or so i used an emulator and used save states yeah I'm doing the Skinner pathetic meme at you right now. (laughs) 
I'm here, s sitting smug, thinking I died so many times at the penultimate level just to get to that one damn save crystal, but I did it, goddammit. I oh. think the point that got me was, there's this point where you've got this doppelganger of Lara, and you've got to guide mm, her into like, this that's fiery so pit. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was yeah. really cool. I did that, and I think I had like, very little health left because I'd been ambushed by these horrifying mummy things, and mm. there was no health packs. So I got rid of the doppelganger, then I ran for it and thought, oh, okay, I think I'm nearly done the level. Then this mummy centaur comes up and just obliterates mm. me, and I'm like, yeah, I've absolutely screwed myself. Just quickly going back to the pathetic Seymour meme, oh, I but... literally just imagined you in doing that when I mentioned I used cheats, so I was just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I, like, I've got no, but like, look, these games are really evil and, and, and difficult. It's just yeah. because I'm an insane masochist who just decided, you know yeah. what, I'm going to do this legit just for the bragging <laughs> right. I did the equivalent of Rex in Toy Story 2 getting the old gaming magazine that tells him how to defeat Zerg. I used a walkthrough because a lot of it is so weird. Like the level design is great, but it can throw you off so much. And there's so many times when you can use the wrong kind of jump and you just fall to your death and you have to start like another 15 minutes back or whatever. I'm shaming these two because they're my co-hosts and I'll make fun of them. But if you want to play a game however you want, please just do that. Like for whatever your enjoyment level is. Don't let yourself be annoyed mm. by a game. Tomb Raider 2 is even harder than the first game. The difficulty of the first level is the same level of difficulty as the last levels of the first game. Although you can save anywhere you want, it's still ridiculously hard. It took me like just over a week to finish the first Tomb Raider. It took me about a month to finish Tomb Raider 2. Very difficult games. Speaking of dying, there's one level which has one of the best deaths in the game. So there's this level where you've got to turn some iron bars into gold bars by going into a statue of King Midas. But yeah. if you stand on the statue, you can climb on the statue, but if you stand on it, you get this really cool death scene. You turn into a golden statue and then just collapse. <laughs> Because it's King Midas. If you get touched by King Midas, you turn into gold. It's a brilliant detail. It's so funny. And I'm glad that they brought that back for the anniversary version. I just had to jump onto it like immediately to see if it still did that. Shall we go on to the anniversary version for a bit? I will probably not say too much because I actually haven't yeah, played I don't it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if there's yeah. too much to add. Like, it's very yeah. similar to the original. But I want to add some kind of like background information to the anniversary. Basically, the first game, of course, was like a massive success. And because of that core cool release, like four more Tomb Raider games on the PS1, each one a year apart, they quickly got burnt out after Tomb Raider 3. So they ended like the fourth game, The Last Revelation, with Lara dying. Yeah. And Eidos, who were like the parent company, were furious. And then made them release a game the next year anyway, which was Tomb Raider Chronicles. And the people who worked on the game were like, we didn't <laughs> want to make it. Then another team within Core worked on the first PS2 entry in the series, which is Angel of Darkness, which is supposed to be the first of a trilogy. Mm. It was an overly ambitious game that was released before it was ready because I just wanted it out in the summer of 2003 because there was a new Tomb Raider movie coming out. I think it's the second mm. Angelina Jolie one, and they thought the game would benefit from marketing around that same time. Mm. It backfired sure. because the game, I think it sold okay, but critically it was a bomb, and the second movie didn't do very well, and I think they blamed the game for the movie not doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> then I just took 
Tomb Raider away from core and handed yeah. to Crystal Dynamics, who completely rebooted the series in 2006 with Tomb Raider Legends. Well, I think at one point core were working on a remake. They of were, the yeah, they were. Original. They were making a remake, yeah. Yeah, for then, the PSP. Was... I don't think it was finished, but a build of it was leaked online. After they did Tomb Raider Legends, Crystal Dynamics did Tomb Raider Anniversary, which was a remake which came out of the PS2, the Wii, Xbox 360, and PSP. Yeah. Wow. And it is a really solid remake, to be fair to them. It adds a grappling hook, which I'm a big fan of. Mm. I love mm. swinging around. That was great. Yeah. And the controls uh, are a lot more fluid, which is quite nice. The bear's still there down the first pit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's a little bear trap in the original and they added that in and I, I just jumped into it because I wanted to see the bear. <laughs> um, and I really love the combat system that they added because basically uh, I'm going to add in a clip of how combat usually works in the original Lara where you stand on a ledge and you just shoot and that's it. You just shoot at whatever's down below. <laughs> Whereas with the remakes version, it's a lot more dynamic. You're actually forced to fight these things properly, but you get like a slow-mo system. So when you're oh, jumping, yeah, that's really it's really cool. cool. And so like the yeah. T-Rex boss fight is actually a real boss fight. Whereas in the original game, you go find a ledge <laughs> and you stand above it and shoot it for a bit. I was just about to say, like, I remember when we first encountered the T-Rex, I was messaging Robert, like, and panicking, like, there's a T-Rex here. And you're like, oh, you need to get the shotgun. But then I went, never mind. Found a little corner. I hid there and spammed yeah. it with bullets. <laughs> yeah, literally. You just stand there and you just shoot it until it dies. It's still scary. Yeah. It was like Jill Sandwich all over again. In the remake, you actually have to dodge it and you have to run around it, and it's actually really dramatic and cool. And the final boss fight's a lot better. The final boss fight in the original, it was just such an anti-climax. Shot the bad guy a few times and then she died, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did find a bit disappointing about Anniversary was Atlantis doesn't have the cool body horror aesthetic anymore. Yeah, I was going to say the mummies and the centaurs and all of those things, they're not as scary as the original versions. The original versions have these really weird skull faces that are really off-putting. <sighs> They have these big teeth. Yeah, especially second to last boss is this big, mm. crawling, horrible monster. And yeah. in the remake, it just doesn't look as terrifying. The boss fight's a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> with, it's, with it's not as interesting to look at, but yeah. Overall, anniversary is really good. And they fix the save system because you have auto saves and checkpoints. So if you die, even though sometimes it can be frustrating if you have to try and do the same jumps over and over again, if you mm. die, you just go straight back to that jump. You'd have to go 15 minutes back. There's a few booby traps that annoyed me, but then the original game annoyed me as well, so it's all good. <laughs> booby oh, traps are so it, evil. Yeah, there's also, there's some more elements to the story, because Anniversary is a prequel to Legend, which was like the game that came out the year before. Yeah. They added this backstory where Lara previously searched for the artifact with her father, so that's part of why she's looking for it, whereas in the original she just gets told about this artifact and just goes looking for it. That's all related to the film, isn't it? Because in yeah. the film they've introduced this idea of Lara exploring with her father or her father there was the one who got her into exploring it initially the playstation 2 games started to kind of build on that idea yeah legend's big story was about lara's mother big guy missing through some portal or something ah okay that's cool just going back to what you were saying about the booby traps we kind of touched upon this with the body horror element of atlantis but 
This is a surprisingly graphic game. From the first cutscene, straight away, there's a cartoonishness in the cutscenes that you wouldn't imagine it to suddenly have blood, but then straight away, Lara just shoots a bunch of dogs and blood's everywhere. And it's like, oh, okay. And then I carried on playing. I thought, that's a little bit of blood, that's fine. And then I carried on. I died in a couple of ways. I thought, yeah, no, that's fine. In PS1 games, you die and stuff like that. But then I fell into a booby trap and then got impaled on spikes and there's blood everywhere. And I'm just like, oh my god. Oh, yeah. And she makes <laughs> What makes that even more shocking is she makes this really horrible noise that she's like, Ugh! It's horrible. I thought that almost went a bit too far, that. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Keely Hawes, famous for The Bodyguard and other TV shows and fairly famous actress in Britain, but she was the voice actress for Lara in the anniversary version. Mm. And throughout the late 2000s, she was the voice of Lara. And she was on the Graham Norton show and Graham actually found her sound clips of um, like the amounts of screams that she did for when Lara falls. It's, it's really disconcerting. This is uh, the vocal stylings of Phoebe Halls <laughs> as Lara Croft. taking the time to put this together. Oh. That's a falling off a cliff death. It's a really long one in a second. <laughs> They're very kind of unnerving, those screams as well. I remember at the final level, I actually, the first thing I did was just get knocked over and fall off to my death. And she does let out a piercing streak of terror. It's like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's then, really you, then you hear her bones crunch when she hits the ground. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> the sound design, they go, Jesus, it's just, oh gosh. They could do a great horror yeah. movie if they wanted to. It kind of is a horror movie. It is. Like, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of well, scary stuff. Well, when you definitely. Yeah. Mm. Like I said, I think that Tomb Raider, it competes with both Resident Evil and Silent Hill as really strong, atmospheric, spooky horror vibes in a PlayStation 1 game. Like, it's up there, like, really disconcerting a lot of the time. We kind of mentioned it about with the ambience. You know. That's something that kind of got lost in the second game, because in the second game, you're in places like Venice, which are more like urban locations, rather than animals, you're playing like people with guns. Well, there was a weird thing they mentioned about they changed it to people. Originally, they thought that killing humans was too cruel for Lara to do, and then they thought, actually, no, killing animals is too cruel. Mm. So they actually switched it around. One of the cool things about the level design, you mentioned about Venice. So with the two level designers of the original game, we should stress, the original team was like 25 people. It wasn't a big crowd. Kind of like the Spyro games in that respect. But Neil Boyd and Heather Gibson, they got all of their level design details from books. And that would be how they designed the games. Like they didn't go to Egypt to figure out what Egypt looked like. They just had these very specific pictures or whatever that they had to use. Yeah. The body horror was based on an anatomy book. <laughs> I was thinking they probably like read HP Lovecraft or something, but apparently not. Yeah, they just must have had this thought. Ooh, what would be really weird for Atlantis? <laughs> what if they're like these weird skinless mutant monsters or something? It's you know, it's so just inspired. Completely different. And it just throws off as it comes completely out of nowhere. Yeah, you do fight them in Egypt. They're mummies. You think, oh yeah, that makes sense. And it's like the raptors earlier. It kind of eases you into this kind of weird concept that you're not expecting. 
going back to Egypt, I think Egypt might be my favourite environment in the game because it just does a really good job of making you feel like you're traversing this big, large pyramid and it really helps the game live up to its title of Tomb Raider. And it kind of ends with the mummies and all of that stuff and it's it's really, oh, it's cool and different. Mm. The game gets so weird. It's <laughs> like Echo the Dolphin. Which is a reference that no one will ever get. I was actually going... about to ask. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I what know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's, what's Echo that the Dolphin? Echo the Dolphin is this cute little Sega game where you swim around as a dolphin and then it ends with you fighting intergalactic monsters from another planet who are what? trying to destroy the earth through the ocean. This sounds amazing. <laughs> what the hell? Hang on. I'm looking. I'm Googling oh, this. Do right you know now. how I discovered Echo the Dolphin? When I was in year five at school, so I was about 10, my class did swimming lessons. We put on this videotape to do with water safety and it was some weird bay watching with David Hasselhoff teaching about water safety. Then randomly in between, between each section there's like clips of someone playing Echo the Dolphin and I knew about Sega in passing so I was just like what is this it's so weird welcome to the Royal Life Saving Society's video from 1993 now if you all keep quiet and pay attention you might just learn something <laughs> you have just been invaded by a Sega Royal Life Saving Society pirate video you saying about David Hasselhoff doing the training video, I just realised Hasselhoff is probably the closest person in the world to Troy McClure. <laughs> he is an actor for hire who would do stuff like that. Oh my god. <laughs> Hi, I'm David Hasselhoff from the TV series Baywatch, and I'm here to tell you some very exciting news. I am looking for members in the UK, and I want you to be on the team. You don't need big muscles, you don't need to be a big hero, Everyone has lifeguard potential. You in? James, have you found Echo the Dolphin? I'm literally reading the article right now. I need this in my life. I don't know where it's been all my life. I think <laughs> as soon as this podcast's over, I'm going to try and find my any means possible to play it. <laughs> that's, what, that's what this podcast is for, is yeah. to get people to discover weird stuff they've this is, not There's a of. whole franchise, like a whole fictional... Like There's different timelines and stuff, apparently, <laughs> across the games. This is mad. Oh, wow. It's all about a dolphin. Just a little dolphin is swimming around, fighting it's aliens, all cute at first, and then it then it gets really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Favorite level? I've been really torn on this. I've actually been like debating for ages what my favorite level is because it's really hard for me to decide. I actually I don't know if this is my favorite level, but I was really surprised by the cistern, which I know Rob and James know that I so they're like the sewer levels, and I've always hated sewer levels. Yeah. I actually really liked the sewer level here. I thought it was really good. <laughs> it was in the Roman ruins. It's great. It's all the aqueducts and everything, and you have to oh, like, yeah, change got, the water you got levels. To, yeah. It's so. really well done. It's that one, or I know I ragged on it for like having a really far away save point, but I do absolutely love the penultimate level, the first Atlantis level, because it's so cool, and it's full of these weird egg sacs that burst mutants jump out and attack you. It's brilliant. Like It's so weird and creepy and it's really hard but once you beat it it's the best feeling in the world because it's so cool and it has the weird Lara Croft doppelganger in it and it 
it's oh, it's it's weird i love it so either that one or the cistern i guess and the whole roman ruins i loved but yeah i'm gonna say those two i think Rock. okay so for me i love the first boss level it's really good but i think my favorite is the first level in greece we've got the big tower with all the trap scenes after the green gods just because it's just so well designed it's so cool although i do really like the egypt atlantis sections as well just because they just feel really inspired so yeah, yeah. james yeah. level four. First of all i just think it's just really cool it represents everything that tomb raider is you kind of raiding a tomb there's this little treasure in the center you have to fill in three different puzzles and you can choose which puzzle you want to begin on first there's a little boulder that shows up so there's the clear cut in the uh, jones reference in it and once you go through each of the puzzles the whole tomb stops collapsing above you and there's this epic moment where the music's playing you have to run straight away this is also a level i didn't struggle to complete either i thought it was reasonably difficult but not so difficult i did it without a walkthrough you go through running when the whole tomb's collapsing and then there's this weird creepy guy with a gun that shows up and that's just like what yeah. that whole level was just awesome i really like that one yeah it's you don't have to touch on the story at all lara's it's not about the story it's, it's about the, the adventure and yeah. what you've experienced and, and your playthrough of the game because i think the way you play the game is the real story that's how you get you oh. tell your friends about, like <laughs> oh what no but you tell your friends about like oh yeah i was doing this thing but then i fell on the spike trap and like oh you know i was running along and then suddenly a t-rex appeared but i jumped yeah. into a cave and, and that's the story that you tell your friends and that's what yeah, builds it's, the adventure you know yeah it's great Kind of like with Resident Evil, we were talking about all the times we died or when we had really amazing things like when I killed the final boss of Resident Evil just before it killed me. Yeah, the stories you get from the gameplay and Lara is all about the gameplay really. To the point that the remake even just has you do quick time events for the various human characters because it doesn't even care that much about the plot. It's just like, eh, we'll do this quickly and then we can get back to the platforming because that's what we want the game to actually be about. And again, using quick time events is a bit cheap but at the same time it stops you from just standing in front of the other guy and just shooting yeah. him a bunch of times until he dies so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Combat yeah. are something that's very of their time but yeah. that's something that's kind of been waned out because most people rightfully find them irritating yeah they were okay in the anniversary version they give you a lot of time to the it depends on how they're used yeah yeah so yeah thank you for listening to this episode as always if you enjoyed this episode you can find all our previous episodes on soundcloud apple Podcasts, and spotify and as well as this we also have a website which is bluecast.com you can find all our previous there as well and also follow us on social media we are at bluecastpod on facebook twitter and instagram we have started doing more social media engagements, so be sure to keep an eye out for those to potentially get a shout-out in a future episode. Other ways to get shout-outs are to email us at our email address, which is bloobcastoutlook.com, where you can send us feedback or suggestions for future episodes, and also leaving us reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. And please share podcasts around and recommend it to friends and family you think might be interested. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for listening, everyone. Just before we go, I will tell you what we'll be discussing next time. We'll be talking about a comic book series, which is very near and dear to my heart, which is the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Really excited to dig into why I love this series so much. Yeah, I'm very excited for that one. I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right through the comics, the movies and the cartoons, so it's going to be a good one for me as well. Um, and of course, the sequel movie stars Vanilla Ice with the amazing song, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. And I will reference that as many times as I can. All right. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs>
<laughs> so yeah, until then, the Bluecast bids you farewell. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Are you playing? Tomb Raider 3. She's drowning. Yeah. Is that the point of the game? Depends what mood you're in, really. What sort of mood you're in, then? Well, I got a letter from my ex-girlfriend this morning, three months too late, explaining why she dumped me. It was full of you'll always be special and I'll always love you platitudes designed to make me feel better while simultaneously appeasing her deep-seated sense of guilt for running off with a slimy little city boy called Dwayne and destroying my faith in everything which is good and pure. So it didn't really work then? No, it made me want to drown things. (laughs) 